Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. All right, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Um, I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and welcome to the on-air live COVID series, Staying Well Amongst COVID. I'm here with a very, very special guest. Her name is Agatha Achindu. Say hi to everyone, Agatha. Hi, hi. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a little... Have a little welcoming, and uh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. I think you and I, um, we haven't met in person yet. Um, I know there were a couple attempts, uh, but we're mutually uh, uh, referred by your dear, dear friend, Sheila. Um, You know, she's a wonderful, wonderful human being, and uh, I really appreciate her. Shout out to Sheila. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, so for me to connect uh, with you, and I love what you do. Um, You're going to share with the audience uh, what you do in a moment. And um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to have you on and, uh, we live in a very, very interesting time. So for those in the listening audience who don't know who I am, I'm Colin Zhu. I'm the regular host of Thrive Bites. Uh, we focus on three, three areas, uh, plant-based living, enhancing our emotional wellness and creating a thriving mindset. And obviously in our current pandemic, we are living in a very interesting time. And so I decided to create this new series um, off of the regular season to address it from a wellness perspective. And all season I've been, um, or all series, I've been asking a lot of wellness experts um, from all different um, areas to be able to chime in and share their talents. And one of which we have the wonderful, wonderful Agatha. Thank you so much for coming in. Please introduce yourself, uh, where you're coming from, uh, calling from, and uh, what you do. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Agatha Achindu. I am an integrative nutritionist, a wellness entrepreneur, a speaker, and an educator. So I have spent the last 25 years of my life helping American families strive by transforming the way they live and feed their children. I am calling from Atlanta, Georgia, which is home. Nice, nice. Awesome. How is how is your environment over there in Atlanta right now? Oh my goodness. It's the same like everywhere else who are locked mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. I in my home, the my son, my youngest son is home. Mm-hmm. Everybody's home. And, you know, we go to the store twice a week mm-hmm. and just one person. So we can drive together. My son never goes with us. He's 15. So he stays at home. Mm-hmm. But then whoever is equipped with the gloves and the mask and the, that as the person that will go into the store. In Georgia now, you actually stand in line outside mm-hmm. and they only would let 10 people in the store. I don't care if it's Whole Foods. I don't care if it's Costco. It doesn't matter whether it's Home Depot. A lot of places, Mm -hmm. the non-essentials are shut down, Mm. which is, it's it's sad in a way, especially as a small business owner, Mm -hmm. right? But as a human, this cause, it's just, it's, it's, in a way, it's needed. Like just, Mm. We have to figure out how to find the good in there so we can slow down, look inside. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, um, we, we've been talking about that all series about, you know, looking at the silver lining and looking at the positive and reframing how, you know, we're going through all this and shifting our perspective. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, as much as scary as it is, 
as you know how mutually connected it shows us how mutually connected we are you know obviously it's affecting the entire world it's you know disrupted our lifestyles however like you said um me personally i choose to look on the bright side and i choose to look at the positive of what can come out of this because if it's not a virus, it would be something else, right? That's right. And uh, we live on planet Earth, Mother Nature. Um, I think it's a very good reminder that we are every much a part of the Earth as everything else. You know, we we are not separate. And, That's right. Um, you know, I think we're going towards 8 billion. And by 2050, the United, Nat- United Nations estimated about 20, uh, 10 billion. And so we're growing, obviously, but obviously things are not sustainable as they are, right? If we're not talking That's about, right. the pan- if we're not talking about the pandemic. And so, right. you know, it's, um, it's very important in terms of what we say to one another, because now it's now it's highlighted that more than ever that we are mentally, emotionally, and physically connected now. So it's important to be mindful of what we say to each other and to ourselves, and physically how we influence our, our each other, including ourselves, whether it's directly or indirectly. So. All series, we've been covering this, and um, I'm super excited to have you on because you have a very, you work in a very, um, you created and also work in a very specialized, you know, now we call it essential, but, you know, it is not only essential, but it, it is, it's also going to lay the foundation because before this pandemic, plant-based eating and plant-based living, obviously backed by, you know, research and evidence, but in the science, but it's going to lay the foundation for our future. And I love to hear, and I want you to share with the audience members, you know, what you do for a living, what you've created you know, so far and, um, you know, your perspective on everything. That's right. Thank you so much, Colleen. So I, in 2006, I founded the first nationally distributed fresh frozen organic food for kids that, um, I mean, today you can find it in the freezer of Walmart stores nationwide, Mm -hmm. but the reason I created this brand was from sheer frustration. I remember when I moved to the United States in 1990 and um, walking into a grocery store and asking my friend, where is the food? Because they, I could just see there were rows and rows of things in cans, in mm-hmm. boxes. And, and she showed me a little corner that, oh, that's the produce. I could just stretch my hand. I mean, of course, it's 30 years ago, so things Mm -hmm. have changed today. But literally, there was like a little box of apple, a little potato. I mean, Mm -hmm. coming from Cameroon as a farmer's daughter, growing and eating freshly harvested foods. We never, like a kid, I can't remember eating food that came from a refrigerator. We put water and drinks in the refrigerator, food you cook three times a day and you eat three times a day. Mm. So this was a big shift to me. But then the thing I started noticing was how sick everybody around me was. And I didn't need to just seeing this world from a different perspective was easy for me to start connecting the dots Mm. between the food people were eating and how they looked and acted, no energy and things like that. Mm. Something that caught my eye even then. I remember we went to a restaurant and the person next to me had a steak. I had never seen anything like that, like, one person would just eat a pound. Back at home, you would use a pound of beef to cook soup for an entire family. Mm. But this is something that just one person would consume. Mm. And so from there, I started hosting little, little workshops. I'm like, oh, you like fried chicken? Why don't I show you how to bake it? What are you trying to get? Calcium? 
Is that why you're drinking the milk? Okay. You know, we can make sesame milk, especially if your child is allergic to this, because I wasn't really tied to any particular, like, oh, it has to be this type of diet. Mm. I just knew that if I can get people to eat real food, whatever it is, and in the right portion, that they would start trusting themselves. Because so much of our wellness really depends on the choices that we're making every day Mm -hmm. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that was that journey. I started teaching workshops. And when I became a parent, when I became, actually, I think when I was pregnant at that time, it, I realized that this issue is even worse with food for babies. Like they have food for babies that's one year, two years, three years sitting on the shelf. I'm like, how can anybody think or believe that something like this can nourish our children. But the, 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 the norm has just been like this for so long and so much money is put into sickness care in America that when mm. you're trying to fight the good fight, it's hard. Yeah. And here we are today, if you think about it, that we are at the place where when you look at this pandemic, coronavirus, they're telling us, oh, if your immune system is comp- compromised, you're more susceptible to it. If you have diabetes, if you have obesity, a lot of these chronic illnesses that mm-hmm. are tied directly to lifestyle choices and mm-hmm. nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So changes, there are things, the, 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 one of the silver lining to me where we are today is that people would really start taking the massive power of nutrition seriously to know that if you have $2, rather than buy potato chips, you can just buy a banana. If we really start thinking like, oh, because everybody... Every post you see online has something about, oh, take some vitamin C, do some oranges. We, we need to boost our immune system. Everybody's trying. So on the other side, my hope is that we are going to take a step back mm-hmm. and really start thinking about, okay, this food that I'm eating, yes, I can cook everything, but if I am buying from this manufacturer, Are they making food that's going to keep me well? Or are they just making food that feeds the bottom line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, thank you for sharing that. And um, I think you made a lot of good points. Um, You know, one of the big things about this virus is that, you know, it highlights how important our health is, how tied it is to, you know, our immune system, you know, the immune system is highlighted several times, gut health is highlighted separate, uh, uh, several times. And the thing is, is that, you know, many different systems within our bodies, you know, they say that chronically ill people are more at risk, people with diabetes, obesity, what you've named are things that are not mutually exclusive to, one, uh, to each other, they are all interconnected. Right. And so they are connected by, you know, living an accumulation of different life choices that have accumulated chronic inflammation that has manifested to all these chronic diseases. And the thing is, is that now, for better or worse, this virus has highlighted that in a very, very um, prominent and obvious way. You know what I'm saying? And my hope you know, the better, you know, the, my hope and wish is that, you know, we can start shifting towards focusing on wellness and focusing on prevention and focusing on public health, then waiting until we get sick, until we end up at our healthcare provider, our doctor, our, you know, health coach or whoever, our nutritionist or dietitian and relying on 
things that are real, relying things that are, you know, what mother nature, you know, gave us what, you know, how your father, you know, spent his life, I'm sure, cultivating and what you've learned, you know, through your life to be able to use and teach others. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. And so, so my question to you is, you know, from that is, you know, how, tell us a little bit about your company and um, how is it different than, you know, uh, other, other, other products that are on the market? Um, Because I teach patients all the time in terms of navigating through a supermarket and a supermarket is very strategic. You know, you have the perimeter of the supermarket is where all the refrigeration is because it's trying to keep things alive. Um, and everything on the shelves are meant to prolong shelf life, whatever you put in all these different chemicals. So, you know, you mentioned about cans, you mentioned about frozen foods and at a time like this, Maybe not everyone is able to afford, you know, different things, but before the pandemic and during this pandemic, you know, whichever case scenario is, how does your company, uh, you know, how does it stand out, you know, from, you know, everything that is on the shelves right now or that's in, uh, in the stores? It's so funny that you asked this question. People ask me this all the time and I just knew this was going to come. Yummy Spoonfuls is the reason that I actually founded this company in the first place was never about money, was honestly to prove that you can make food, healthy food, commercially available to families out there. Because every time you look at um, a commercial food, you, you see all these unnecessary ingredients And the belief was that, oh, well, you need this emulsifier, you need ascorbic acid, you need this, you need this, you need this little additive here, you need this to make food commercially. And I was just like, even if it's going to kill me, I am going to make food like I make at home and freeze it. And so that's what I did. Mm -hmm. It took us when, so for... uh, I want to say for the first seven, the first eight years in business, we had our little commercial kitchen. When we got the first deal to move to roll into Target, we needed to get to find a, a manufacturing partner that can make that level of food. Because prior to that, we were in Whole Foods, Din and Deluca. Those were it wasn't the thousands of stores. When you mm-hmm. think target, mm-hmm. the first 120 man- co-manufacturers that we called, and I'm not exaggerating that number, they told me and my business partner that, oh, no, we can't make that type of food because we cannot bring live food into our plants. We are not equipped to handle live food. Mm. We had to buy went to Holland and bought a machine. And so we went to this, the first guy who finally decided to work with us, makes food for adults. Mm-hmm. And we were told, like, I can't tell you how many times someone was like, oh, well, people don't really care about food for kids. I'm like, yes, people care. So to answer your question, Yummy Spoonfuls is made, it's 100% organic. And it's made without any refined grains. It's made without any additives. It's made without any sugar. So something like our pancakes, sweet potato pancake, is made with sprouted whole wheat. And we used sweet potato and apple in one. That's the sweet potato to add more fiber Mm -hmm. and to add moisture and the apple as the sweet sweetener. Mm-hmm. The other one is sweet potato and banana. So there is no sugar. There is no 
pancake today as we speak for kids in any avenue mm. that doesn't have sugar either as the first or the second ingredient. Mm. And to think that something like that sugar is such an immune suppressant. Mm. You know, this, this is something you can speak on endlessly. But every food that you see has some level of sugar added to it. Our meals have nothing. No emulsifiers. We use olive oil. No fillers. Just real ingredients. Mm. Then it's frozen like you would at home. Mm-hmm. Because people don't, people don't think about this. Like just let's put this scenario. Your, your friend walks into the house today and you're making chicken pasta. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to Italy. I'll be back in a year. You're like, oh, that's fine. I'll just leave that, that pasta in my pantry. Mm-hmm. When you come, you can eat it. That's what we do in food in this country. Because it's so common, it looks okay, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's the reason we have so many preventable diseases in this country. It's um, it's just too many ingredients. Um, you know, you were talking about the additives and the binders and the chemicals and preservatives. And, you know, it's great because from a company's perspective and a manufacturer and a business sense, you can have a product there for longer periods of time without needing to replace it or, you know, turnover and probably not spend, spend as much overhead and costs, right? But, you know, I, you know, not, not all of them, you know, like you're saying right now is looking after the consumer's health. And you said from the get go that it's not about the money. It's about, you know, how I grew up and how I've been eating in Cameroon and Africa um, and bringing that over here and noticing that I'm totally appalled from looking at this and seeing that there's no real food and look at where, you know, it's brought us. And the reason why I can agree with you on that is because I was raised, you know, by two Chinese immigrants, both of them cooked and we ate real food. We didn't actually eat processed food like McDonald's or any type of fast food until much, much later on, you know? So for me, I, I, I know, and I crave the real taste of real food. And then from there, you know, I decided that, you know, we needed to teach this. We needed to understand, we need to be educated. I needed to learn where real food came from. And so like, I resonate with what you're saying because you can't unlearn that you can't erase that experience. But for many Americans, they didn't grow up in that type of setting. So for them, in a way, you know, they don't understand it. They don't understand the difference, but you do and I do. So that's why it's important to be able to inform that, you know, the stuff on the shelves is not real food, right? You know, all these different things that are processed, that are extrapolated and whittled down to singular components from mother nature is not real food. And because of that, our bodies are even smarter than we are. The bodies know that it's not real food. And so what, what does it do? It you know, gets damaged over time. And that's how you get chronic inflammation that's built up. And you know, that's why we have so many you know, diseases and problems. You know, but, I want to say, you, you, you just said something mm-hmm. that touched me, which is why for so many years I've been doing this teaching. Education is such a huge component. Because it's easy for me, just like it's easy for you to see, since we didn't grow up in this culture. Mm-hmm. But I've raised kids. My youngest is 15. He has not had McDonald's in this country. And I remember I have an accent. So when we'll go somewhere and I talk and they're like, oh, well, because you guys are from Africa, you don't get it. And I'm like, no, my kids were born here. Mm-hmm. It was a lot harder when they were younger to really take the stand like, you know what? You can't have this. I'm going to make your French fries at home with just real potato. That would be the ingredient, not 15, 20 different 
ingredients in just the French fries. Mm -hmm. Some it was hard when they were younger because of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. But today, even my 15-year-old will tell you, will give you a series of reasons why you shouldn't eat McDonald's. Or if you want to eat McDonald's, it shouldn't be something that you eat every day. Mm-hmm. So education is a big part. And really grateful for what you're doing because we, you. Need to, we need to really help people see that the choices that we are making when it comes to food really just, it really affects us directly. And so if you're out there, not everybody can cook. If you're out there, thank goodness, there are companies now that are putting consumers first. It's not a lot out there. Like, like Yummy Spoonfuls, there are other companies. A few more indie companies are coming up. Mm-hmm. Those are the companies, even sometimes you might think like, oh, well, this company, their food is a few pennies more expensive. Take the time, look at the label, look at what it is they are offering. Because our health, we really have to invest the money and the effort into it. If not, we're going to invest that money and the effort into sickness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, those are very important part, uh, part, uh, points to make because, you know, I emphasize this to my patients all the time. It's like, you know, when you outsource your food, I, I, I do things, I um, teach patients. Um, the best way for me and my style of teaching patients is relating it to something that they can understand, right? And so, yeah. you know, for me, it's like, you know, I teach patients that when you're not cooking at home, which I always advocate doing the number one thing, but when you're not able to cook at home and you get food from outside, what you're doing is that you're outsourcing food that we all need. Doesn't matter who you are as a human being, you're outsourcing it to a different person. And so what that means is that you are relying on them to prepare food for you. So the question you have to ask yourself is, is that person or that organization or company that's preparing your food, do they have your health in your best interests? Or do they, you know, are they just looking at the bottom line? I know for many, you know, restaurants, takeouts, deliveries, things like that, you know, they are preparing food, but they are also trying to keep their costs low, right? And your health that's may right. not be the priority. So what are they going to do to keep costs low? They're going to use cheap ingredients, right? They're going to use quick cooking techniques. Okay. If they cook at all and you know, they're going to do a lot of shortcuts in preparing that food or what I like to call food related product to serve you. And so you may not feel this now, but over time it's going to become all your food choices like that are going to become hypertension. All those food choices are going to become diabetes or cancer or heart disease or strokes. And so that's why there is a disconnect in what we face as a nation and a lot of people around the world because they love adopting Western society and behaviors and lifestyles is that what we're facing is that of different choices that we made that's resulted in it. But the best part of this news is that we can unbake that. We can decide to turn the corner and make different choices. Because it's not a death sentence. You're not going to have, you can't say, oh, my family has diabetes. Oh, my family has cancer. Oh, my family has, you know, heart disease and think that that's going to be a life sentence. No, you have the power to be able to do something different. So, um, yeah, so being, you're talking about cooking. So I would love to digress and talk about cooking is people are, a good positive way to look at this is because we're being indoors people are cooking more, right? There was a really fun, funny meme. <laughs> um, there was a really funny meme. They said there's two things that can result from this pandemic. You'll either be a better cook or you're going to be an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 lo- I love that. So, But uh, share with the audience how they can start cooking. For those 
that don't know where to start. You know, they're like, they look at their kitchen. They're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what kind of tools or utensils to have. Like, give them the basics of, you know, how to start cooking from home. Oh my gosh. I would say the basics. You need a chef knife. You need a good knife. You need a stainless steel skillet. I would say a cast iron, but if you're starting, you don't want anything that's really, you have to put too much effort. So it might be after a couple of years, you have a couple of cast iron skillets, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, Measuring cups and spoons, a colander, a potato peeler, a mixing bowl, something like a mixing bowl you can use to mix pancakes, bread. It can also be a salad bowl on your table, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a mixing bowl, a cutting board, um, a box grater, Mm. a bake sheet, because you can can bake cookies, you can bake vegetables, you can roast your vegetable, whatever it is. Your fries, your french fries. (laughs) Yeah, everything, you know. So those would be some of the basic things. A saucepan, I would get two. One smaller one that you can steam like quinoa and rice and a larger one that you can make soups, make your broth, make pasta. Those are some basic things, tools that you need in your kitchen. A spoon and a spatula. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be fancy. You start with a good knife and a good skillet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any um kitchen appliances you would recommend or you would say starting with the basics would be good i would say if you have this basic you can you can get a mini food processor Mm -hmm. i am like the worst person to ask about appliances because (laughs) i have everything i i cook a lot i love to cook that's that's my thing yeah so, but I would say if you have a food processor that you can chop, you can make bread in it, you can puree, and you have some of those you can get from, like Cusinat would have from, it might be $70 all the way to $400. Mm-hmm. There is a range, but then you can chop, you can chop in it. Or if you really, you have the money, I would do a Vitamix mm-hmm. that, you know, you do. Every, I use, I use mine every day Yeah, because we make a smoothie. I have, I have a Vitamix. I have a juicer mm-hmm. every morning. We do a celery juice and, you know, Vitamix for smoothies during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, um, so I would agree with all of that um, in terms of the basic utensils. In terms of the kitchen appliances, um, I personally have a Vitamix. Um, you know, my mom gifted that to me when I graduated from medical school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having learned that in school, I was like, oh, my God, I need one. Um, you don't have to get a Vitamix. There are a lot of great, um, you know, blenders on the market where it's not yeah. just about making smoothies. You can make soups out of it. You can mm-hmm. even, you know, there's different uh, ways where you can, if you're not a, you're not the best uh, dicer or slicer, you can u- even use a blender to kind of, you know, um, chop things up or use the food processor by Cuisinart is one of my, um, you know, we're not, I'm not affiliated with Cuisinart, so. Um, but I'm not yeah. affiliated with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. ourselves. Just but they ourselves. Would chop, yeah. They would chop. Cuisinart would chop. You have yeah. the option to chop your. Yes. Yes. Your veggies and stuff yeah. like that. Your and I veggies would, especially. And I would recommend a convection oven, like a very, very small, you know, convection oven. And that, you know, you can do a lot of things. You could, um, you can bake, you can broil, you could, you know, roast and that. So, but those yeah, are, those that's are a not, good one. yeah, that's, you, th- those are not necessary. Those are recommended. So, you know, yeah. for those in a listening audience, you don't have to go crazy. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about pantry, right? So starting out, mm-hmm. give us some basic herbs, spices, grains, you know, what are some good basics? For herbs, I would say some of the basics. Basics, basic would be, of course, good quality salt, black pepper, 
you get the mail so you get the black pepper corn and put in the mail so you fresh ground the black pepper because there was a difference like night and day so and rosemary is a must have thyme oregano sage parsley mm-hmm. those are things that you need cinnamon smoked paprika Mm-hmm. I'm honestly just listing things that I can't do without in my <laughs> home. This will be the basics and they are good dry. So these are good in your pantry and in the pantry, garlic, like fresh garlic. Mm-hmm. It stays, it can last in your pantry for a couple of weeks. Garlic would always be, those would be the basics for me because you can use rosemary and thyme. Those would pop up any, if you're roasting potato, you can dust it. If you're making veggies, you can put it there. Mm-hmm. You're making soups. I mean, these things would umph anything you're cooking. <laughs> and for it. greens, I would say, right, especially now where we are, it's like just stock the pantry with things that you can easily whip up. So whole grain pasta, like spaghetti type, linguine, all those you have it at home. Coconut milk is something that's so underrated. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time that I used dairy to make anything creamy. Mm-hmm. I use coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Whether we're making pasta, whether we're making soups, it's just, there was just, it's so lush. Mm-hmm. So coconut milk. And then nuts, almond, because you can make your own milk at home. If things get really locked down that you can go to the stores. Mm-hmm. Beans. Um, rice. Mm-hmm. Of course, flour. So you can make waffles, pancake, whole grain flour. So you can make waffles, pancake, oil. Um what am I missing? What are some of the must-have in the pantry? For those who, I mean, for people who eat, like, oh, what do I do for protein? You can get some sardines, some canned tuna, those work, tons of nuts and seeds, some dry fruits. Mm-hmm. Those are all some fun stuff. And there yeah. are some root veggies that last longer. Mm-hmm. Like right now I have, I have squash. I have spaghetti squash in my pantry. I have butternut squash. I have the kombucha squash in my pantry that mm. we're going to make soups. We'll roast some of them because they would last longer. When we this whole thing started, I'm like, you know what? Let me just get things that are not going to rot easily, like, you know, like potatoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So some root veggies will stay good in the pantry like that. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, those are good ones. Um, for me, I, uh, you know, being Chinese, um, it's always been white rice. Um, our family shifted from white to uh, brown rice. And so I use brown rice um, uh, when I make my traditional, well, it's not traditional now, but my, when I make my non-traditional, <laughs> when I make my non-traditional konji, which is a traditional Chinese uh, savory porridge, um, it, it's mm-hmm. usually white rice with um, duck egg and lean pork meat, right? With a whole bunch of other stuff, right? But how I do it is I you I would use brown rice which I always have quinoa and I and I have uh, oats and so yeah. you know I do a lot of different things that would actually be my base for yeah. stir fry dishes for soups for gumbos and you know that's where you get all your B vitamins your fiber um, and the beans the beans the beans the beans. The blue zones, um, blue zones, for those of you who don't know, those are the highest concentration of people living over 100, um, popularized, right. popularized by um, Dan Butner, who's been a National Geographic um, 
traveler and photographer. And um, the common food group that is in every one of these blue zones of living over 100 is beans. And so we're to, and there's so many varieties of beans, so many varieties of beans, so many varieties of legumes. So, you know, you're talking about protein. They, there's, it's a myth. I teach my patients this. It's a myth that you don't get enough proteins from just plants. It's a myth that you don't get enough calcium from plants. That's and, right. and that's what we need. So I definitely, you know, like, you know, Agatha and I have been talking, like I challenge you guys to do something different, do something outside the box and try something new. And, um, you know, this is what's going to, going to optimize our health. Um, speaking of food, you know, during this pandemic, everyone is focusing on immunity and gut health and all that other stuff. Is it, my first question would be, is it a good idea just to focus on that? Or do you feel like, from a food perspective, from a culinary perspective, focus on the whole whole health. And then the second part is what types of foods would you recommend now? I think we always need to focus on the whole health. So it's not just the things that we we, we are adding because everybody's like, oh, I need to eat, eat a lot more vitamin C. But when you walk the stores, all the foods that the, the shelves that are empty are junk food, foods that are high in sugar, vitamin C and sugar in our body fight for the same place, your T cells. Mm -hmm. So if you are loading so much sugar in, you're still not doing yourself any good when you're taking in vitamin C. And then we need to rest a little bit more. It's the whole human body. So it's not just us eating well. Eating good is important. But all the other aspects of, oh, let me rest a little bit more. Because if I don't rest enough, it impacts my health. It's just a, a more holistic approach to wellness that we need to really be looking at. But be more intentional about it. I really, I would hope that people avoid all those fluffy type things. Um, Franken foods, the snacks mm -hmm. with the synthetic ingredients, all this type of food that cause inflammation in the body. We need to really avoid as much as we can. I know for some people it's a lot harder, but then think about it this way. Like, okay, if I am going to eat those things, let it be 20%. So then you can be eating 80% of the right stuff, real food. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, today we have to eat like our life depends on it because mm -hmm. it truly does. It truly does. It truly does. Now, now more so than ever, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So now more so than ever. Because, you know, your company was from the perspective of addressing that gap of not enough good food. Um, nutritious food, organic food, you know, that is natural, um, you know, for kids during this time, you know, because kids are indoors, not in school right now. Right. Or even yeah. as adults, you know, we, we could be continuously eating, you know, a lot of emotions, a lot of stress and anxiety is going to come up and, right. you know, you could emotionally eat, Right. So what would you That's say right. from your perspective um, in terms of kids and families and parents that, you know, have kids right now, you know, what, what kind of tips would you give in terms of cooking to keep them fuller, you know, on a longer period of time? This is the time that I say more fiber, more protein. And when I say protein, I'm not just talking about, oh, it's meat. The beans, rice and beans, food that are going to keep them fuller longer, have to be rich in fiber, good quality protein, less sugar. So for breakfast, you can do an oatmeal porridge and add a little bit of hemp seed in it and some bananas to sweeten it, slices of apple. This will keep them fuller longer. Instead, if they had, say, for breakfast, they had cereal and milk. 
in two hours, then they want to eat again. And for lunch, if you're making something like, oh, we're having pasta for lunch today. Add when you're boiling that pasta, if you have lentils at home, add some lentils in it. Mm-hmm. This is the trick I do in my house. Put a little, instead of using milk for this pasta, use some coconut milk. Instead of using dairy, put some coconut milk. It's going to add fat. And that lentils is going to add some protein. This is a whole meal for them. That keeps them fuller longer. And raw fruits. Give them, if they want to snack, give them an apple. Banana. The less processed the food, the more fuller it keeps them. Yeah. Yeah. This is based off of a concept of caloric versus nutrient density. And what we mean by that is, you know, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of reducing everything to components, but, you know, in our society, especially in the nutrition world, that's what we love to do. Um, so the, the concept of it is that the SAD diet, the standard American diet, is very, very calorically dense. Right. So you have a lot of processed fats. You have, you know, it's heavier on protein. It's heavier on fats. And, you know, what you end up having is that you're consuming a lot of calories, which is energy that we need, but it's the wrong type of energy. And, you know, we don't get full from that. We don't get enough nutrition from that. So we end up eating more and more and more. And then that adds to our weight and all these other chronic uh, diseases. Whereas if you are shifting towards more of eating more plants, okay, what you're doing is that you're shifting towards eating more nutrient-dense foods. Yeah. And so this is where you're going to be heavier on the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, and the fiber, which a large majority of this is not in animal products. And so the reason why you're going to feel full, as Agatha was saying, is that because the fiber, which is also good for your gut health and good for all the microbiome in your, you know, in your gut health and immunity, is that, you know, you're going to feel, it's going to stretch the stomach and you're going to feel fuller. You're going to feel full from that fiber and, you know, and it's going to help you eat less. And also, when you're eating plants, you're eating less calories. So you're going to be losing weight in addition to enhancing your nutrition. So I literally say this to every single patient. And the reason why I say this on a podcast is because I will reach more people. We will reach more people than I could ever do in a practice (laughs) seeing patients. That's right. And so, you know, the message needs to get out there you know, quicker and we need to be impactful. And so, um, I, I love it. Um, you know, I, I want you to give us your closing remarks and for those in the listening audience, um, that, you know, want to learn more about you and what you do and, you know, uh, buy your products and all that stuff, where can they reach you? Oh, they can find me on social. I, um, Agatha Achindu. Um, they can go to my website, agatachindu.com. They can check out Yummy Spoonfuls. Something that I want to really talk about um, for people who are really like, oh, well, I hear you, Doc, with the whole plant base, but that's not for me. There is so much science, clinical, I mean, there's enough data around why we need to eat more plant. Even if this is not your thing, you can really start by reducing the amount of meats that we eat in this country. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Our body is not even equipped to process all of that. Mm -hmm. And start simply, there is the meatless Monday, which is something that I tell a lot of my clients, just start by going meatless on Monday. That's a start. And when you eat meat, instead of a pound of beef on your plate, it might be four ounces. Mm-hmm. That's enough to give you the, 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 the meat 
protein that you need and eat as much plant, fill your plate with as much plants as you, you can eat because that's where the phytonutrients, there's just so much that our body needs that comes solely from plants. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to eat meat, let it be grass-fed, pastured, raised, good quality meat, so then you can get some good quality nutrients from it. And the same goes for seafood. Um, you know, the different. Yes. a lot of people... This is common in my patients where when they're trying to think healthy, they're shifting from red meat, which is commonly known as, you know, beef or lamb or, and they, they're, they're thinking about eating, oh, but I don't eat meat, but I, you know, eat chicken and turkey. And I say, well, that's still meat. And they're like, no, no, doc, you know, I eat fish. Uh, no, that's still meat. So basically <laughs> anything that moves by itself I would like to say anything that makes a sound, right? <laughs> but, you know, fish doesn't really make a sound unless you go underwater. Uh, I'm a scuba diver, so I know they make a sound. <laughs> but anything, <laughs> anything that makes a noise, I would say minimize it, right? Plant food doesn't, make, right. a, plant food doesn't make a noise, right? I hope it doesn't. But um, they don't make a noise. So I would say, you know, we need to shift towards eating more plants. And like Agatha was saying, if... Um, you know, start off with the meatless Monday. I'm not telling you to go vegan overnight. I'm not telling you to go plant-based overnight. What we're telling you is we have to double or triple our portions of plants to literally save lives, you know? So you may not be used to this, but I want you to take the time to think about it because it is literally life or death because, you know, this virus, it does not discriminate. It doesn't care about borders. You know, it's going to come after you. And, you know, now I'm happy that, you know, we, we have a spotlight on public health and how important public health is. And, you know, now, you know, we're talking about wellness and we're talking about physical and mental emotional. So, you know, with that, you know, thank you, Agatha. Thank you so much for taking the time out and lending your voice and your talents um, you know, for the show and for everyone um, that's listening on. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for all you're doing to shed some light in this space because it's it's so needed. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Um, guys, um, again, thank you so much for listening to another episode. This is the on-air live series with COVID, staying well amongst COVID. Um, please check us back for the regular season that's coming up soon for Thrive Bites, and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.